You're listening to Living Faith, the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. First Baptist Church is located at 100 North Lake Avenue in Avon Park, Florida. We meet Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. for Sunday school and 10.45 a.m. for morning worship. Sunday evening services are at 6 p.m. On Wednesday, we meet at 6 p.m. for our weekly Bible study along with our immersive student and children's ministries. Find out more at www.fbcap.net or give us a call at 863-453-6681. You can email us at info at fbcap.net. We'd love to connect with you soon. This is part of our current Sunday evening sermon series. Well, as we get started this evening, I want to make a couple of little discipleship announcements. Um, one of the things about uh, growing in our Christian life, we say that often, uh, is that first word, growing in our Christian life. And uh, it's the idea that we join God in what he is doing in our life and we utilize the means by which he has given us and we, we follow after those things and, and we grow. Uh, all believers are not at the same place spiritually. Now think about that. Uh, why is that? You could be a Christian for a long time and still be a, a babe in the faith. You can be a very young Christian and just hungry for the things of the word and grow, you know, leaps and bounds in, in, in uh, uh, what your understanding and knowledge are the things of the Lord. And so a couple of things I want to I share with you. I think this is something every, uh, every believer needs to have. One is a Bible. You believe, agree with that? But also, I think in our day and age, with just what we have with books and resources, I think a, a really good study Bible. Uh, a study Bible is just simply that. It is a Bible that has extra things in there that explains more fully Scripture. Uh, and uh, uh, to me, probably one of the best that is out there is uh, the, the translation that I preach and teach from is the ESV is the ESV Study Bible. Uh, it has, um, uh, it's, the, it's scripture, but as, as you look at the scripture, there, there are little notes and, and helpful things uh, that go along with the text. It almost would be like having a, a preacher or Sunday school teacher with you, and you're, you've got a question about the text. What I like about the ESV Study Bible, that um, it is uh, evangelical, conservative in, in its understanding, and so there, there are many contributors uh, that are contributing to the ESV study Bible. Uh, it's not just one person or one church or one denomination. Uh, I like the ESV study Bible. There are the, some three, three of the Southern Baptist seminaries and one of the Southern Baptist colleges has professors and leaders that contribute to the Bible. It has great study notes, but it also has tremendous articles. Uh, you know, so many times we, we hear things and we don't really understand what they mean and we wonder what they mean. A good study Bible will help you understand these things because the part of why it makes it a good study Bible is it has these articles in there. Now, it's a little thick. It's kind of hard. This is kind of, this is my preaching Bible and then I have my little carry-along everywhere Bible. But a good study Bible is just a great tool to have, you know, from maps to a concordance to just phenomenal articles that help us understand the faith. 
Another great study Bible that I love, and just because I love him personally, is John MacArthur has a tremendous study Bible. And he is basically, his study notes are his years of preaching and teaching. Uh, that is his study Bible. John MacArthur is uh, a Baptist. He's located out in California. If you have access to the Internet, he has always made all of his things available. Grace to You Ministries. And it's phenomenal. I mean, just the, the resources, just you can never listen and, and, and read all that is available uh, through these things. Something else I heard years ago, what you hear and what you write, you remember. What you write with your hand shoots up your arm and goes to your brain. I am not a journaler. When, when, you know, when, when, you know some, some of us are journalers and you have your little journal with the flowers and the angels and you journal. I'm not a journaler, but I'm a writer, a doodler. What would be another word for that? I think every Christian ought to have one of these. What are these? Little notebooks. Uh, this is a hardback one. It looks kind of nice and fancy and all that. This is one I got from Office Depot. And, and uh, it's red because it signifies the blood of my Savior. It's not orange or blue for a reason. It's red, but it's anyway. As I, as I listen to preaching, every time I go and hear preaching, this is not about what John does, but every time I go and hear preaching, the first thing I do is I open up my Bible and I open up one of these two items and I write across the front today's date and the text. Now, a lot of times people will say, well, I'm a listener. Just, just don't go there. Uh, we're students. Could you imagine sitting in a classroom? I'm a listener. Okay, what is that? We, we listen to the Word. We're, we're, we're writing the Word. We're applying the Word. How many of you have a great memory? How many? Okay, i tell you how bad your memory is. I was trying to remember what I preached the Sunday night, the last Sunday night I preached. Somebody tell me what I preached right off the top of your head. Don't look in your, well, you got notes. Don't look at your notes. Somebody tell me what I preached off your memory the Sunday night, the last Sunday night I preached. It's impossible to remember those things. When I'm having to ask Sharon what I preached the Sunday night, the last Sunday night I preached, because I keep a calendar of everything I've preached. But if you take notes, guess what happens? You can go back and you can look at that and you've got the notes there. And it is not about writing down what Pastor John says. I use this more than anything. I keep one in my truck. It's writing down what God is saying to my heart as I ride down the road. Uh, as I'm having a quiet time. I think everybody should be at some point, when you, have the, when you open up your Bible, if your quiet time is in the morning and you're not having thoughts and you're not writing things down, you're just checking a box and reading a, a devotional. You know, uh, a lady told me one time, and we're, you come back on Sunday nights, you get to hear this stuff. A lady told me one time, it was one of these ladies that just tells you everything. She said, well, I have my quiet time going to the bathroom. And I just went, well, for one, I didn't need to know that. But then I immediately said, because I'm close for her, don't you think God needs a little bit more than that time of your life? That you've got a little devotional on the toilet, and when you go to the bathroom, you read one page of your devotional, and you're, you've spent your time with God? Really? And so I think these things are, are crucial. I, I will say this. I have never met a dynamic, growing, excited Christian that did not read the Word and study the Word and in some way incorporate these things into their life and that were growing and changing daily into the image of Christ. I think our churches and our, our communities, our cities, our nation is full of people that belong on a church roll 
that have never truly experienced the, the river of living waters and have embraced God and his word and the spirit of God and are dynamically growing as Christians and are excited about growing as a Christian. And so this study on Sunday night ties perfectly with our Sunday school lesson. Uh, you've got a Sunday school material that is something that you take home and you work on. Okay, that's something that you're working on. So just think about that. You've got material, you're going home and you're looking at the scripture. You're writing down what God is showing you in his word. So we come in on Sunday morning, we're listening to the preaching of the word of God on, on after Sunday school. And then we're coming right back here on Sunday night. And this fits perfectly with what we are doing on Sunday morning. And that leads me to our study. Uh, what is the goal? Don't say it out loud. What is the goal of being a Christian? You know, well, I've, I've, I've gotten saved. I've done that, okay? Uh, I've joined the church. I've been baptized. You know, what, what is our goal of being a Christian? Uh, this entire study over these next Sunday nights is answering that question. I think the goal of being a, the major goal of being a Christian uh, is found. Turn, if you will. Uh, let's look at a couple of passages of Scripture. I'm going to make all of my notes available, if not Sunday night of each week, um, the, uh, I don't make copies because I just, a lot of times I make copies and make copies. Um, and uh, so I'll just will make them available uh, on my website page and that way you can have them. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. Two verses are going to be our main verses as we walk through this study. I've divided the, 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 the topic of this study into different areas. Tonight I want to do an introduction by looking at two key terms and then we're going to look at these in a different uh, aspect over the next several weeks. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, one of my favorite scripture verses in all of the New Testament. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing, this is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. For, why we saved, for, what does grace and faith mean? For, we are his workmanship. When, when you see that word, what do we think about? I think about my granddaddy's shop. He had his little garage and he would walk in his shop and he would begin to work. We are created for his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for, now I don't know when I did this, but I circled it, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So from the beginning, God had a plan. And if we think about that plan of redemption is our life of good works. But we need to understand what good works is. Good works, there's a lot of people that do good works that are going to be in hell one day. There's going to be a lot of moral people in hell one day. People that make wise decisions according to life, that, that do, they're not, you know, lawbreakers. They're just good people that make good decisions. So I do good works. You know the story, one of Pastor John's story, the man was trying to qualify why he knew he was right with God and he went through the long list of things that he did well and sad to say that the last thing he got to was I feed my pets. So he, he, in his mind, I've worked hard all my life. I've taken care of my family. I took care of my children. I kept my yard clean. I was a good role model citizen. I, I did good things. I fed my pets. Well, that's good. I'm glad he feeds his pets. 
But that has nothing to do with the works that God has asked of us if we are truly His. So we are created for something. Uh, we're created to, to worship and to glorify Him. And you'll notice that uh, anything that has to do with sanctification is not just us and God. We're going to look at that a little bit tonight. So many times we think, well, you know, it's just me and the Lord. It's just me and the... Everything you see in Scripture is the Lord. And if, if our relationship with the Lord is where it needs to be, then our relationship for others will also be where it needs to be. I've told, you know, marital counseling. If a couple comes in there and they say, we both love Jesus so much and we both love the Lord so much and we're both growing so close to the Lord and we're just constantly fighting and bickering, that, 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 does, that, that can't happen. If our life is right with the Lord, we're going to have our relationship right on this side of our relationship with the Lord. Now look at Romans chapter 8, one of the most misquoted, interpreted utilized verses other than that in Philippians 4. Romans 8. How many of you said, we know that all things work together for the good? All things, we have put that on a little Facebook picture and, you know, all things work together for the good. And so we define good in our own, on our own terms. All things work together for the good. Or how about this one? God's not going to put anything on your plate you can't handle, which is nowhere in Scripture. God's not going to give us too much that we can't bear. Okay, I get it, but it just makes no theological sense. All things work for the good. For those who love the Lord, all things work for the good. True statement, what is the good? What good is God looking to accomplish when he says all things work for this end? What is the good? Look at Romans 8, 28. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Period. Verse 29. What is the good? Verse 29 is the good. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. So it's the idea that I said this morning. You either have a big God or you either have a little God. When it comes to salvation, we either have a big God, and we've talked about election and predestination, those things in here. God is a big God. God has a plan. I'm glad he has a plan. I'm glad that, that salvation rests on his shoulders and not ours. If it rests on ours, we're in trouble. I'm glad that he is the one in charge and not us. And I know you are glad I'm not in charge. Amen? I'm glad you're not in charge. And so instead of just getting all in a tizzy and worked up over that, I just always remind myself, do I, do I serve a big God that created everything, loves all things, and is just and merciful? Yes. Or a little God. He's a big God. In the very beginning, he's had a plan. We were part of that plan. In the very beginning, he said, he foreknew you all predestined, here's the good, to be conformed to the image of his Son. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. The good is we are conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 30. What God has started, he will finish. If God has started this process in our life through salvation, through Jesus Christ, guess what he will complete? He will complete the process. So you ask yourself, what's something that's happened bad in our life? Just think about anything. You know, here's a great, a great illustration. 
Monday after the hurricane. I come down to check on things. Got a text. You got two roofs laying in the parking lot. Hmm. Drive down and check the church out, and you see water everywhere, and you see ceilings dropped and everything, and you say, where is the good in all of this? It's all over it. Because as we walk through that process, it is helping me to be more conformed to the image of Christ than if I would not have gone through that. Everything we experience in life, we can ask ourselves this question, what am I going, how am I going to allow this to help me be more conformed to the image of Christ? What we do is we do the, not even the opposite. What we tend to do is we do this. When everything's going good, God is blessing. I mean, people literally on the internet blaming Katrina on the devil. You know, like God took that day off. You know, when, when something goes wrong, if it, in our world, if we get everything that we want and we're never sick, all our bills are always paid, our, our spouses are always perfect, our kids are perfect, and everything is always perfect, we'll say, God is so good. How is living life that way making me more like Jesus Christ? It's not. It's going to make me prideful and self-centered, and why not would these things not be happening to me? Because it's me. But as we look at the life of the disciples and we look at the life of Christ, things happen in their lives so that they would be more dependent on Christ and so that we can be more like Christ. That's the goal. I use this as an example, and some of this falls very true to you. I look more like my father every day, it seems like. I go back to our little hometown, and they're like, oh, my goodness gracious, you look just like your, oh, you just like your daddy. Some of you may be that way. Uh, I want to be able to say that I look more like Jesus Christ today than I did yesterday. And that is where we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. Every one of us are going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and be held accountable with our time, our talent, and our treasures. What did I do in my life that would allow me to become more like Jesus Christ today than yesterday? My Bible study, my prayer, my witnessing, my serving in a church, my lack of worry and anxiety, these things that I allow just to rob me of who I am instead of being able just to say, you know, Lord, I don't want to go through this, but I'm going through it, so help this situation be the good. And the good is looking more like Jesus Christ than I was yesterday. And so over the next several weeks, that's what we're going to look at, conforming to the image of Christ. We're going to take the material we're losing on Sunday school. We're taking this material, and I'm going to challenge you. Don't be satisfied where you are. Some of the most dynamic, growing, on-fire Christians that I've ever had the privilege of pastor have been people that have been in church their entire life and then later on in life decided, I really want to grow in my knowledge and understanding of the things of God and really serve Him. It is never too late to realize, I mean, at a show of hands, how many of you have arrived yet? None of us have arrived to a point that we need no more sanctification. I've been around you, I know. None of us have arrived there. We're like toothpaste, squeeze a little bit, and we still got a lot to work on, don't we? We all do. Uh, and so that is our goal. All right. As we think of these two concepts, let's think of two words. I know we'll get to one tonight. If we don't, the other one, that'll be great. The first word I want us to think about, the first thing I want us to think about as we begin our, our time, union with Christ. What does it mean to be in union with Christ? Our salvation is more than just believing facts. 
You know, it's not just, like I said this morning, I believe that Jesus is a real historical person. I believe in Jesus. I went to church. I believe in Jesus. There was something I did. I believe that. It is more than that. You have to have that, but it's more than that. Our salvation is more than that. These biblical facts, once believed and trusted in, bring us into a relationship. Years ago, I thought of this. You watch a football game, and you see just a a mass of people. It'd be like somebody, my sister was at the Georgia game. She goes to the Georgia game. It'd be like her saying, hey, see if you can find me at the Georgia game. I'm in red. You know, and you're, you, you know, it's a blimp view of, of uh, you know, what, where everybody, I think sometimes that's what we think, that we've got a, a blimp view of what it means to have a relationship with Christ. It was just kind of all thrown in there, and it's just a, a mass of people, but, but the Lord really does not know, and, and it's just kind of a religious experience. No, Christ knows us. And the moment that we open up our heart in repentance and faith, we become one. Think about this. One with God. One with the Father, one with the Son, and one with the Spirit. How awesome is that to think about? I mean, that'll make you shout right there. The moment that we become a believer in Jesus Christ, I become one with Christ. We are in Christ. We're going to look at some scripture. We are in Christ. Christ is in us. We are like Christ, we are with Christ. All of these dynamics we see in Scripture, in Christ, He in us, like Christ, with Christ. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 17. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is what? Say it. It doesn't say if anyone believes in Christ, which is, I mean, I'm not making light of believing in Christ. It doesn't say if you believe in Christ. It says in Christ. Just just take the word in. What does that mean? If you had to define the word in, if, if I walk into a room, just from an English standpoint, a grammar standpoint, common language, what does in mean? It means you're in. Try to define in. What does in mean? Well, you're in something. You can't in, you're in, you're in. You're in a room. We are in Christ. The moment that we realize that we need to be saved and have our sins forgiven, we are in Christ. And He is a new creation. And so that's why I always try to encourage people. Some people might say, and and I, I tell people, I don't have all the answers, but I will say this, that everything that I think, everything that I say and believe theologically, I'm getting from Scripture. Now, there's been times in my life that I thought the verse said something, and after further study or whatever, I realized that I was not applying that correctly, and that was on me. But everything that I say and believe, I'm going to say and believe because Scripture says so. But it says that we are in Christ and we're a new creation. I believe, and I believe Scripture teaches this, that we are dead in our trespasses and sin, right? Now, I believe that dead means dead. I've had others say, well, 
we're almost all the way dead, but there's a little bit of life in us that we can be saved. There's, there's something that we can do. There, there's that little element. And this, this has nothing to do with just, you know, what camp we're in. I'm just talking about what it means when we're saved. Once we realize that we were absolutely dead and that God saved us, then we understand what it means to be in Christ and a new creation. If, if this is Christ and this is John dead, the moment I'm saved, I am in Christ and I'm a completely new creation. Now, if you define the word new creation, is it like, well, almost like it was? No, you're a completely new creation. That is, that's what makes the gospel good news. It is great news. I'm not dead anymore. I mean, wouldn't that be awesome in the middle of my preaching that somebody got gloriously saved and just took, stood up and started running around this place screaming, I'm not dead anymore, I'm not dead anymore. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? That's what it is. I'm not dead anymore. And I am in Christ. Uh, I am a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So, this union with Christ, I am in Christ. A new relationship in Christ. Look at Colossians 1. For those that, you know, look at, after you go through the Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. Um, I don't know where I heard this. I can never forget this. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. There are four little books all tucked in there together. And for the longest time, I used to get them so mixed up. Uh, I heard somebody say years ago, uh, uh, Gentiles eat pork chops. You ever heard that before? General Electric Power Company. Jews could not eat pork. But Gentiles in the Old Testament could eat pork. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Gentiles eat pork chops. You'll never forget that now. Gentiles eat pork chops. So, Gentiles eat pork chops. Colossians, the last one of those. All the things you learn at the Sunday night discipleship. Uh, Colossians 1, verse 27. Colossians 1, verse 27. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, meaning the gospel, which is Christ's what? Ooh. We're in Christ, but guess what else? Christ is in us. I love what children say. A lot of times children say, I want to do what? They come off the preacher. I want to do what? Ask Jesus where? Into my heart. They got better theology than adults do a lot of times. Christ in you. Now, what do you think that means? It means that Christ is in us. That just as Jesus Christ lived and breathed on this earth, when he died on that cross and rose again and sent the Holy Spirit, we have a dynamic relationship in Christ abides within us. That's why when we pray, when we study the word, when we worship, that's what I think Matt was kind of alluding to. You know, you get, you got Christ in you and you're singing. And, and, and you know, to me, and Matt and I and Joel were talking about this several months ago, 
key changes sometimes get exciting, you know, the key changes and all that and music. Man, the words just, it's the words that we sing. You know, it is well with my soul. Nailing that, oh my goodness, you know, just, why is that? Because Christ is in you. And it is about the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And when we read the Word and when we pray, and so people may say, I've had people tell me this, family members tell me this, I just don't get anything out of the Bible. Now just ask yourself this question. Sometimes I just step back and go, if I don't get anything out of the Bible and Christ is in me, is that possible? I don't get anything out of the Bible. I don't go to church. I don't pray. I don't do this. But I got baptized years ago. I'm going to tell you something. If Christ is in you, I'll give you a good example about being married. I have a wife just in my house, and I can't get away with anything. There for a while, when the lights were out, my, my stuff was all out of sorts. But the second the lights came back on, I had to start straightening everything back again. If I have Christ in me, I can't go humongous seasons of time and not want to be in the Word and not want to come to church and not want to pray and not do these things. Why? Because I have Christ in me. That's a great thing to understand, that you have Christ in you. Galatians 2.20. Gentiles eat pork chops. Go back to the left. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified. What's next? With Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I live. So when we think about crucified, we think about him dying on a cross. And we... We talk about it in Luke, it talks about denying yourself, taking up your cross daily, living out that I am, I'm crucified. My life means nothing to me anymore, that I've been crucified with Christ. And just as Christ was willing to give his life, that I've, I've been crucified with Christ from a practical standpoint, but also a theological standpoint, that everything that Christ did on that cross in his body and his blood, I have been crucified with Christ, with him. Not, not, not that stadium view, just for a mass of people. And I, I always think about that Southern Gospel song. When, I, when he was on the cross, what? I was on his mind. That is very true. You want to talk about grieving the Spirit? When I think about grieving the Spirit, it is a personal grieving because Christ is in you. Uh, when we think about what my life should be like and what I can accomplish and what I could obtain... I can because I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives where? In me. I don't know if you remember this. Um, no, you wouldn't have to. You wouldn't have been here. Maybe Joy or, or teacher. I preached back a lot a couple years ago. And uh, you only have like 15 to 20 minutes. So I thought, well, I'm going to get everybody's attention real quick. Got all the grandmamas and aunts and moms and dads. And, and the first thing I said when I got up there, and I said, before we get started, I just want to say this. I don't believe that any of you can accomplish anything. Then I followed up, but I believe Christ can in you. That's a big difference. 
I don't believe in you or you or you or you or you, but I believe in Christ in you. See, that's where our hope is. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. When you think about that, I remember Charles Stanley, Andy Stanley. Of course, some things Andy Stanley does I don't agree with. But I remember Andy Stanley telling me in a book, telling me, he called me up and told me, uh, Andy John. Uh, in a book I read, he was talking about his, Charles Stanley, his dad. And he said one of the greatest things that his, he remembers his dad saying was, Andy, you, will, you can accomplish great things because... Your, your Christ is in you. That is a great statement. Because I have been crucified with Christ. It is, not, I, it is no longer I who live. Because I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to mess it up. I'm going to mess it up. But because Christ lives in me, in the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You need to underline that verse in red. That's a good one. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. I'm, we're, I mean, you want to talk about being in this together. We're in this together because Christ is in me. And his desire, so if, if God's desire is for me to be conformed to the image of his son, I had a good friend one time in a previous church. He, was, he could make things happen, but he would tend to make everybody mad getting things happen. So he had a work day one time. And everybody had come in the church, and we were painting and doing stuff. And he came around and was like, oh, you need to paint this. You need to paint He was a contractor. Oh, you're painting it wrong. You're doing this wrong. You're doing that wrong. Bye, 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 bye. So we had the next Saturday, the next week. Nobody showed up. And I pulled him off to the side. and brother, you've got to tone it down just a little bit. You're, you're killing the health. And I remember him saying, it's one of those things off the top of my head I just said. He said, well, that's just the way I am. And I just, you know, you know, sometimes the, the smartest things you say is when you just let the Spirit lead you instead of trying to come all smart. And I said, well, how about leaning a little bit more on Jesus who abides within you? Well, I'm just born this way. I'm just impatient. Well, I know, but lean a little bit more in Christ that's in you. Less like you. Well, I'm just born that way. Well, okay, you may be born that way, but you got Christ abiding in you. And I can tell you what the fruits of the Spirit are. What are the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, faith, good, and gentle self-control. Oh, that's it. So when you're, we're bearing the fruits of the Spirit and Christ is in you, that's what's coming out. And if that's not coming out, then something you've got to check who's, you know, not saying you're lost, but we're not, we're not listening to who's within us. We're listening to our flesh. Man, what a great verse. Being crucified with Christ. So I am in Christ. Christ is in you. I am crucified with Christ and Christ lives in me. Look at John 15. What is John 15 about? You know that. The vine and the branches. John 15. I am the vine. My father is the vine. And what I love about this section, we're going from the upper room. We've had the, we've had the upper room, the Last Supper, Passover celebration. Jesus, they're, they're celebrating the Jewish Passover. Jesus is celebrating his Passover. That wine and that bread in the upper room was for the Jewish celebration of deliverance from Egypt. That was the last supper with his disciples. He knew what awaited that weekend. They leave the upper room and they are walking to the garden and they are literally physically walking by something. You know, we always try to figure out what they were walking by. I heard a commentator say one time they were walking by some building that had the vines growing up and Jesus saw the vine. Well, it doesn't matter what they saw, but they were literally walking from the upper room to the garden. And this is what he's saying. 
He's going to the cross. And they don't have a clue. I am the vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me. What does that word abide mean? I heard a preacher say one time in preaching about the word abide and dwelling. It would be like looking at your window and you've got, and I love my in-laws, but we always talk about our in-laws. You, you know, you're, 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 you're looking out your window and your in-laws pull up for the weekend and they're unloading trunks and a bunch of luggage. That isn't going to be a weekend stay. They're coming to dwell for a while. That word abide means to take residence, that you are, you are in a relationship. It's a, it's a permanent type thing. If anyone does not abide in me, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is he that bears much fruit. From apart from me, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. As the Father has loved me, well, let me get back up. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So if I abide in him, and my word, his words abide in me. Everything I ask, what does it say? Will be done for you. Guess, do you know what that means? That's not name it and claim it. That means I'm in the word, I'm praying the word, I'm seeking the face of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm abiding in him. The spirit is abiding within me. I'm praying, I'm studying. I know what to ask for because God's already shown me what to ask for. That's what the spirit does. By this, my father's glorified. You want to, you know, people say, well, my life is about worship. I don't need to get into all that stuff, all the do's and don'ts, all the rules and regulations. My life is just about worshiping God. You're exactly right. It is. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And as I abide in Christ, if I, as I abide in this union with Christ, I'm going to bear fruit. Now, fruit is an interesting thing because most fruit doesn't bear year-round. Uh, there's a, a dead season, a live season, and so life is that way. Church life is that way. It's not always fruit, 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 fruit. There's always got to be a, a pruning. In it. But as we abide in Christ, I will bear fruit. I, I believe this. Wherever we're, whatever we're called to, to do vocationally or what our giftedness is, if we are abiding in Christ, and we know that Christ is in us and that we are in Christ and we are abiding with Christ and we're in tune to the Spirit and His Word, everything we do will bear fruit and bring glory and honor to our Father. Do you think God will bless that? Do you think God will bless that fruit? You know, you want to make a great impact. I've had people say, well, I wish I could make a greater impact at work or law. When you're walking close with the Lord, I, I can say this in my own life, when I know that I'm walking very close to the Lord and doing all the things that John needs to be doing, here's the bad thing about John and Matt. I'll say this about John and Matt. We've gone to college and we've gone to seminary. Been there, done that. Read, I've taken six Greek classes and Hebrew classes and I've read all the systematic theologies and I've read the Bible through time and time again. I've taken notes on every book of the Bible been there, done that, now I'm just going to be a pastor. 
Been there, done that. I've already studied all these concepts. I already know everything. I'm just done. I'm just, now I'm a pastor. It's about building an empire, being a pastor. No. It's about studying the word, fresh and anew every day. And, re- and remembering who I am in Christ every single day. You know, tell you what, what we're in danger of, and I'm going I'm to make fun of devotionals, even though I do like them. Somebody like me, I'm very high. I'm a, you know, uh, thank you for adult ADD. Thank you. I didn't have, uh, uh, we didn't have medicine when I was little. We didn't have time out when I was little. I told somebody this in front of my mother in a sermon. She heard it. Goes, I, I cannot believe you said that in a sermon. I told somebody one time, we didn't have time out when I was little. We had knockout. And... Uh, <laughs> So, uh, you know, but I, I, I love devotionals. I've got good devotionals that I use, and I'll, I'll read a day, and, and read. I've got a Bible reading plan, and I read devotionals. And I like reading different areas, but this is not what it means to abide in Christ. Here's my little devotional. Here's today. I'm going to read this little, fort, you know, a little, a little segment. Here's what we do. We read, all of our Bible study becomes devotional reading. We never read the Bible in its context. And so we take a verse, we, we plop it on the front of the devotional, and we read a few words of that verse, and we read somebody's commentary and thoughts, and we read a little prayer. That's it. And that's it. I mean, it was, it's like, uh, it'd be like a, a relationship this side of heaven. You know, what, what, what is my mother, what is the one thing my mother gets on to me more about than anything else? Somebody tell me, I want some, a mother tell me that. A mother that does not have a son, what is that? I don't call her enough. One day she called and she said, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm sending out notes to the church. I thought she was going to go, you're a great pastor. You know what she said? You never send me a note. Hey, I call you, can I call you back? I'm on the phone with a church member. I want you to be on the phone with me. What do you think the Lord says? Go, well, I read my devotional for today. I read that verse out of context. I don't know, that could mean what it means. could not mean what it means. Devotions are great. I have many. I recommend them many. But the idea is to abide in Christ, it takes work. I mean, it, I, a funny thing, of, of, I'm an expert now on children, by the way. <clears throat> I'm not an expert on grant, so a true story, you know. Brantley called and said, uh, hey, what's this pregnancy thing going to be like? Oh, 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 son, be patient, loving, forgiving, and your whole life is going to change if she gets morning sickness. His whole life changed because he has morning sickness. You know, long, long story there. The key is, is we live our life, we understand that we are growing and changing, and it's work. When, you know, a year ago, Brandon just thought, man, it's going to be great getting married, you know, living in Louisville, just the two of us, we want to have babies, woo! He called me, Dad, this is not near as fun as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> he said, I came in the other day, and she's crying in like a fetal position, wanting breadsticks from a pizza place an hour and a half away. <laughs> and I said, so what did you do? He said, what do you think I did? I drove an hour and a half one way and got breadsticks and I came back. He said, this is hard work. I said, it is hard work. <laughs> but guess what? At the end of the day, I get grandchildren. <laughs> He's going to have a child and they'll laugh about it. 
the Christian life is hard work. And, and I don't mean that in drudgery. It's like sermon preparation. Matt will tell you this. Sunday school teachers, it's hard work. I mean, Randy and I talked about this week, trying to get all these verses in the left. It's hard work. It's not for the faint of heart. But as we work toward it, we're going to grow and mature, and we're going to bear fruit. Here's some implications as we close tonight. Since the Son is united to the Father and to the Spirit, believers by their participation in Christ are also made one with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. And this is from John 17, 21, and I'll make these available. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us. As, as Christ was praying in John 17, and he was praying the prayers to the Father before he went to the garden and was crucified. In us. I mean, you think about that. And I think if we're not careful, we take, um, you know, it's, it'd be like relationship, like a chesty puller for those that were here this morning. Or somebody like a, a Mark Rick. I've met Mark Rick. He has called my church phone I have spoken to him on the phone I have had a conversation with him I have sat down um, in, a, in a home in Athens at a party and shared nachos with him and the whole time Sharon was like please don't say anything stupid and embarrass the family don't draw a play on the plate don't draw a teardrop on the plate and uh, you know so I know Coach Rick but do I know Coach Rick if one of y'all were to go up to Coach Rick and say, do you know John Beck? Uh, oh, the weird guy that's always staring at me at that party that time. Uh, it's not that type of relationship. Oh, I've got a Coach Rick autographed helmet in my office. Two Pastor John, we know each other. No, it would be like a relationship I have with one of y'all, more intimate and more real. I have that relationship with the Father the Son, and the Spirit because I am one with Christ. And so when I, when I pray and when I worship and I read the Word and I, I do ministry and we come together as a body of Christ, Christ is in us. You know, the union with Christ. Another thought, since those who are one with Christ are also with everyone else who is one with Christ. How can we have, and when I say church, I don't mean this church. I mean, we're not a perfect church, but um, how can a church be divided if we all have Christ in us? Now, there have been times, you know, you take the deacons, for instance. I, I utilize the deacons, and every pastor has a different type of leadership, you know, I think this church recognizes we have a senior pastor. I recognize I'm a senior pastor. I have a great confidence of being a senior pastor. But the deacons will tell you, I am a sounding board type of guy. What do you think? I mean, you know, unless it's just thus say it the Lord, I'm like, what do you think? Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, there are times that I, I might be in a deacon's meeting and goes, hey, I got a great idea. This is what I think we need to do. I got a great idea. And Randy is liable to say, John, pastor, love you like a brother in Christ. But have you thought about that? Like, oh, I didn't think about that. Good job, Randy. Way to go. 
Does that mean that we're not, well, they better agree with me because I'm the pastor? No. God uses us differently. You know, we got to stand on the word. That doesn't mean that we walk around as robots and all believe. But you think about doctrinal things. You think about, uh, uh, when I say a sinful behavior, anything that's not a fruit of the Spirit is a sinful behavior, right? When you have sinful behaviors taking place in the life of a church, you have to ask yourself, whoa, wait a minute now. If we are all in Christ and we have abiding in Christ, Father, Son, Holy Spirit with us, abiding in us, we have the scripture, we have prayer, we have the body, we all have the same things available to us. And if we're not unified, then where does the problem lie? It lies within that individual that is not in tune with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's why we say as churches, we need to pray about this. We need to pray about this. We need to walk in a season of prayer. We need to walk close to the Lord so that we will be unified in those things. Those who are with Christ are also with everyone else who is one with Christ. It is a personal relationship and it's also a corporate relationship. Romans 12, it talks about the spiritual gift and the uniqueness of the body. So we, though many, are one body. Romans 12, 5. So we, though many, are one body in Christ. And it says individually members of one another. So this is what I, you know, one of my favorite terms of endearment is brother. Brother, brother, sister, sister. I always get kind of choked up. Most of the time I get choked up and I baptize. I baptize you, my brother. I baptize you, my sister. We are one in Christ. And we are one together. Isn't that a great relationship? That's why everything, one of my great words, you'll even hear when I advertise. Don't forget corporate worship Sunday morning. Don't forget small group corporate worship. Worship. We are coming together as the body of Christ in Christ, and we're doing all these things together. Four little quick statements, and I'll be done. We are counted as righteousness. We now live in Christ's strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the other verse that everybody just takes out of context. We're going we're going to accomplish great things. We're going to win our goal. No, we can live in Christ's strength. When he was crucified, he was living in his strength. When he was betrayed, he was living. all the apostles, we live. I can do all things in Christ. I can do this because I have Christ in me. I can live a life where I'm conforming to the image of the Son because Christ is in me. I can have all these things happen to me, and I'm going to be okay because Christ lives in me. Mark 10, 39. Mark 10, 39. We're going to suffer. If we have Christ abiding in us, there's going to be suffering that's going to come. There's going to be hostility toward us. There's going to be hatred toward us. There's going to be division from the world from us. Not division in the church, but division in the world. It's just going to happen because Christ suffered. The disciples suffered. There's not a, you, have you ever read any bibliographies on oh, missionaries? Or, did I say that word? What's, what's the word the book about people? Ma'am? Biography. Thank you. See, I was not on the same spirit with y'all on that. I was in my own little... See, I think that all of y'all, I keep telling my wife this. How do you not know all your books are wrong and I'm the only one that's got grammar right? 
That's something to think about. I need to write a grammar book. Could you imagine that would be a number one bestseller? <clears throat> I don't know what we would say. Every one of those books you read is amazing. And we praise it. Isn't that funny? Oh, we're going to ignite. I'm making fun of us, but I am, I'm proud to be us. Lottie Moon, died, true story, died in a ship off the coast of what continent? China. For missions. We love Lottie Moon. But don't let anything happen to us. Oh, these foreign missionaries, oh, the disciples, oh, the apostles, oh, they gave. The Wycliffe Foundation was based on martyrs. They were tarred and boiled alive so that they could write scripture. Oh, we love, thank you. You know, we think about the, the 500 years of the Reformation that everybody's going to be celebrating next month. And we, we stand on the shoulders of men and women and families and villages that gave their life so that we have scripture. And we, oh, but these second something happens in our life we run for the hills we're going to suffer but Christ is in us we will suffer look at 2 Timothy 2.12 last verse and I'll close in prayer this gets me excited 2 Timothy 2.12 2 Timothy 2.12, if we endure, somebody get there and re- help me read the end of this. If we endure, we will what? Also what? Reign with him. Man, isn't that incredible? We're going to reign with Christ. I've had people say, what are we going to do in heaven? I mean, I'm going to reign with Christ is what I'm going to do in heaven. If I, you know, if, if, if somebody comes in that door and like throws a spear through my chest cavity because I was preaching the gospel, uh, help Joyce clean the blood up, weep over your pastor and you go, gosh, that looks like that hurt. Guess where I'm going to be? Reigning with Christ. And so everything that, you know, I, I, I tried a, a theology of hurricanes. That's what I was thinking about. As I was opening the door, looking out, my first hurricane, getting rebuked by my wife and Matt, shut the door. <laughs> it's a reminder of the fallenness of the world. Christ died on the cross, and he's at the right hand of the Father. There's always been, I, Bob Jones Sr. said this years ago on like CNN. He's a guy that, that started Bob Jones University. He made this comment. We were talking about Muslims and this, that, and the other. He said, listen, they've been fighting over there forever. Okay, they've been fighting over there forever. Guess what? They're going to continue fighting over there forever. We're going to have earthquakes. We're going to have storms. We're going to have lying and cheating and stealing and murdering and racism and all these sinful things that take place. I'm not saying we justify it. I'm not saying that we ignore it. All of these things are going to happen. Listen, I'm going to go out right now and somebody's going to help me figure out how to put window clips and I'm going to cut my little plywood. I'm going to buy me a generator this time. I'm going to have flashlights this time. And I'm gonna, if, it, if I wouldn't have been so spiritual, I was about to come down here and get the Advent candles. I'm going to be ready next time because why? Another one's coming. And it's that they're going to keep coming. But that's the reminder. That I, think about that. Storms. 
evilness, this wickedness is a reminder of the goodness of the gospel that has freed us from that. The need to share it and a reminder, this is temporary. You know, weeping over loved ones that have passed. Yes, it's real and it hurts and it, it, it is exhausting for a pastor to do pastoral ministry because we, we take on the burdens of our flock that we love. But it's a reminder that we will reign with Christ because he is in us. He's in us. The moment that we are saved, Christ reigns with us. Let's close with a, a, a word of prayer. Lord God, we thank you for our time tonight as we uh, study your word. We look at these things over the next several weeks and we're reminded of the goal to conform daily to your image. Um, help us to be more disciplined in areas that we need to be more disciplined. Let us receive your grace in areas that we need to receive more grace. Lord, sometimes those of us are not disciplined enough and we lean on grace. Others need to lean on grace and think they're working their way to please you. Lord, we do love you. We thank you for your word and your presence within us. And we ask and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.